This is Jennifer Gonzalez welcoming you to episode 52 of the Cult of Pedagogy podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about whether your classroom is academically safe. I get topics for blog posts and podcast episodes from a lot of different places. Sometimes they come from listener questions, some from things I read, others come from my own experiences as a teacher, and some come from things that happen with my own kids. I have three of them, and currently they are 9, 10, and 11 years old. They're in grades 4, 5, and 7. They all go to public schools, and I believe they're all getting a pretty good education. Still, things happen. They come home with stories, I see their assignments, and there are just moments when I think improvements could be made. And so today I'm going to talk about something I have noticed with all three of them over the years. It's a disconnect that's happened between them, their assignments, and their teachers that I think has an easy fix. We just need to be aware of it. First, I'd like to thank Kidum for sponsoring this episode. You know, a lot of teachers love the idea of personalized learning, but without the right tools, it is just a buzzword. Kidum is a free platform that helps you personalize learning for every student. With Kidum, teachers gain access to an unlimited library of standards-aligned content coupled with beautiful, actionable reports to see exactly which standards need more work and which students need more help. To learn more, visit cultofpedagogy.com slash Kidum. K-I-D-D-O-M. I would also like to thank you for the reviews you've left for this podcast on iTunes. I know you are all very busy people, and so many of you listen in your cars or working out in places where you just don't necessarily have access to a computer. So it really means a lot to me when you take the time to write those iTunes reviews. They really help bring new listeners to the show. So I just wanted you to know how much I appreciate them. Okay, so let's talk about academic safety. I'm going to describe a scenario for you. This is a scenario that is all too familiar to me. One of my kids comes home with an assignment to complete. She brings it to me for help. Not wanting to do the work for her, I start by asking her to tell me what she knows. Okay, I say, looking at the paper she's handed to me, what are you supposed to be doing here? I don't know, she says. I hand the paper back to her. Read the directions to me, I say. Reluctantly, she reads. As I listen, I realize I don't quite understand the instructions either. We wrestle with the task for a few minutes. I offer one possible approach, and when that idea is rejected, I offer another. As the conversation progresses, my kid gets more and more distressed. It becomes abundantly clear that I am not going to be able to tell her how to do it. I should mention the assignment is not the kind where creativity is the goal. We're not talking about a task that encourages divergent thinking or has multiple possible right answers. That's not it. This assignment and almost all the others we find ourselves stuck on are worksheets produced by large companies where the task just isn't worded clearly. It's obvious that one right answer is supposed to be given. We just can't figure out what that answer is supposed to be. I should also add that my kids in general do not struggle in school. 
They're early readers, good at math, high test scores, no behavior or attention issues. So we're not talking about students who tend to take longer to understand things. These are three bright kids who do well in school. But this scenario has played out with all three of them at different grade levels and with different teachers throughout their school years. Okay, so then I say, well, did you go over this in class before bringing it home? And she says, yeah, sort of. I say, did you understand what you were supposed to do then? In return, I get a blank stare. Not really. And here's where I start to get irritated. So did you say something, I ask? Did you tell your teacher you didn't understand? No, my kid says. Then she adds, I didn't want to get in trouble. That, that right there, that is when I feel my flipping out reflex start to kick in. When my professionalism starts to waver and the hysterical, teacher-bashing, helicopter parent voice starts whispering in my ear. No student should feel like they can't ask questions in school. No student should go home not understanding how to do their homework. No student should ever worry that asking for more explanation will result in punishment. At first, I imagine the worst. A teacher like some I remember from my own childhood. Teachers who regularly said things like, a stupid question deserves a stupid answer. And, you know we just went over that, sit down. They never said these things to me, but when I heard them said to my classmates, I knew I'd be better off keeping my mouth shut. I can imagine this scenario, and the irrational part of my brain wants to assume this is what's going on. But I taught middle school for seven plus years. I know exactly what it's like to give 100% effort in your instruction and see that some kids are completely tuning you out. I know how it feels to answer the same question four times in a row. I know that when a student tosses his paper aside and says, this is stupid, we don't always recognize it as a cry for help. Sometimes we respond like regular humans, let our egos get in the way, and simply interpret it as misbehavior. I also know how unskilled students can be at asking questions. I remember how easily students could misinterpret, oversimplify, and misrepresent things I said. I know how often students ask for help two seconds before the bell rings or two seconds before an assignment is due. I know that I don't get it can actually mean a hundred different things. So when I try to figure out why my child is sitting in front of me with an assignment she doesn't know how to do, I know all too well that my kid's version may not be the whole story. Maybe the teacher did explain it. Maybe she provided time to work on the assignment in class. Maybe she showed examples. Maybe my kid was talking or daydreaming. Maybe my kid was in the bathroom. Maybe there's another student in the class whose very presence makes my kid feel embarrassed to ask any questions at all. There are dozens of possible reasons why she doesn't understand this assignment. But what can't be argued is that the thought of telling her teacher this makes her uncomfortable. There's something about that teacher or that classroom that isn't as academically safe as it could be. Every time a student chooses not to ask for help or clarification, it's a missed opportunity for learning. 
and it's something we have the power to improve. So what I want to talk about are a few simple, powerful ways that you can make your classroom a place where students feel free to ask questions and take academic risks. If you're already doing most of these, you may only pick up one new idea, but it may be just the thing your students need to grow as learners. So here's the first one. Build in more checks for understanding. Now most teachers are already doing a lot of this. We teach something, then we make sure students understand what we taught them. We just may not be doing it as much as we could to make sure everyone really gets it. So I'm going to break this one down into a couple of different sort of subpoints. The first way that you can build in more checks for understanding, this is a little fine tuning. Ask questions instead of asking for questions. When teachers finish delivering some kind of content, a lecture, a video, a reading, or giving a set of instructions, we often say, does anyone have any questions? This is one of the least effective ways to actually find out what questions our students have. For one thing, when a person doesn't understand something, they don't always know what they don't understand, so it may not be possible to formulate a question. On top of that, many students fear looking stupid. So even if they do have a question, it's only the bravest who will put themselves out there. So instead of asking, are there any questions, ask targeted questions to see if students understand what you just taught them. So for example, Sierra, tell me what you're going to do after you get your test tubes. Or Jordan, what could happen if you forget to carry the one? Or, Mikey, where should everyone put their journal today when they've finished? These brief exchanges will get everyone's attention, they'll provide a quick review, and they'll help students identify areas where they might be confused. Another way to build in more checks for understanding is to have students explain things to each other. After teaching a concept or giving instructions, have students do a think-pair-share to explain it to each other. This gives each student a chance to process their thoughts to a low-risk audience of one, and the act of trying to put what they just learned into their own words has massive cognitive impact. Once students have explained it to each other, they can correct small misconceptions, and if they can't, they will be more likely to ask you for help after discovering that someone else is confused about the same thing. Another way to build in more checks for understanding is to just do the first few steps of something together. So instead of assigning something and then sending students off to do it on their own, provide time to get started together. Um, this is actually a classic model. There's something in education called the I do, we do, you do structure, where the teacher models the task themselves, and then everyone does another example of the task together that's the we part, and then finally the student is released to do it their own. It's a gradual release of independence on a topic. Um, using this kind of scaffolding in most of your tasks, it takes a little bit of extra time up front, but what you're doing is saving yourself a lot of time that you, you'll spend later on having to reteach it to students. And finally, another way to just build in more checks for understanding is to have students score a sample completed task. So when you're giving a more complex assignment or project, give students a completed sample 
And you may want to make this one with a few problems built in and have them evaluate it, have them score it. This forces students to pay closer attention to the assignment criteria, and it'll call everyone's attention to areas that may be unclear. By the way, if you create this model, you're doing the assignment, and this is something that we call dogfooding. If you listen to episode 20 of this podcast, I explain all about what dogfooding is, but very briefly, it is the practice of doing your own assignments as if you were the student to look for problem areas. Okay, so in terms of creating more academic safety in your classroom, one great way of doing it is to just work a little bit harder to make sure that students are understanding what they're supposed to do with these checks. Asking students questions instead of waiting for questions, have students explain things to each other, do the first few steps together, and have students score completed tasks. Okay, another thing you can do to make your classroom more academically safe is to teach students how to ask questions. Students don't come into the world understanding how to monitor their own understanding and then formulate respectful questions that target their exact area of misconception. The only way they get good at this is to practice. So in your classroom, whether it's formally or informally, show them how to ask these kinds of questions. And you may want to provide question stems that show them the kinds of questions that they could ask. So here are a few examples of, of the types of questions they need practice asking. One starts with, this is what I do understand. Have students practice summarizing what they know up to the point where they get stuck. Another kind of question would be if they start by saying, can you tell me if I've got this right? So basically saying, okay, let me tell you what I understand. Is that Do I have that right? Because even if students think they get it, it's a good practice for them to, to just do a double check. Another question that you can teach them to ask is, can you please show another example? Have students start to recognize when they think they have it, but they feel like it would be a lot more solidified if they just saw one more example. And another kind of question kind of like that is asking, could you explain that one more time? Sometimes they just need you to explain it more. They're not even ready for the examples. They need you to explain it one more time. And, and if you teach students that they should feel comfortable in your class asking, especially those two questions, can you show another example and can you explain it one more time? That right there sends a really powerful message that your classroom is a place where they should be asking those kinds of questions. And one other question stem that I think is valuable is, is it blank or blank? Sometimes they think they have it, but there's an area where they're a little bit confused. Am I supposed to do it this way or that way? Or is it this word or that word that we're looking for or whatever it is? Sometimes just giving them that structure of the question makes them realize that they may be mixing up two things. So by making that a habit, you know, to, to encourage students to ask those kinds of questions, it, it, it teaches them basically how to monitor their own learning and get what they need. The third way that you can make your classroom more academically safe is to provide time for private questions. If the only time students are given to ask questions is when the whole class is listening, some students may never raise their hands, ever. And the reasons could run a whole lot deeper than basic shyness. 
Here are some possible situations when a student may not feel comfortable asking a question in front of the whole class. Students who are aware that many of their classmates are academically stronger than them and don't want to look stupid. Students who have a crush on someone in class and would rather die before putting themselves out there. Students who are currently embroiled in some kind of argument with another student. Students who are being bullied by another student. Students who just this morning found a huge zit on their forehead or have some other totally embarrassing physical situation going on. I could go on and on. The possibilities for humiliation are endless. So make time for your students to approach you privately with their questions. That way you'll definitely get more of them. And if you allow students to ask each other questions first, or establish what we call an ask three before me policy, which is where they have to ask three of their peers a question before they come to you, you'll cut down on the number of times you have to answer questions directly while still giving students a chance to clear up misunderstandings. So, so far we've gone over three different ways that you can make your classroom academically safe. Build in more checks for understanding, teach students how to ask questions, provide time for private questions, and the fourth one is to create contingency plans. It's really frustrating to be working on your own, find yourself in a tight spot, and not be able to get the help you need right away. Students need to know what they should do if they're stuck at home or in school and you're unavailable to help. So here are some examples. And I think you could handle this with just a discussion with students, you know, and maybe just make a sheet of guidelines for them what to do if you're stuck. Um, one question to talk about and make a decision about is, is it better to make a wild guess or leave an answer blank? What do you prefer? What do your students think? What would be the consequence of doing one or the other? Another question is, what if their school-based resources, the textbook or a worksheet or whatever it is that they've brought home, doesn't have the information they need? Is it okay for them to look for more information online or would you rather they stick just to the materials from class? Another question is, if they don't understand a question, is it okay to write, I didn't understand? Could they also add an explanation of why they didn't understand? If you let students do this, it would show you that they didn't just give up or blow off the question, but that they had a question that couldn't be answered. And finally, is it acceptable to give two different responses to the same question, along with a brief explanation for each interpretation of the question? These are all things that I have suggested to my own kids. You know, I've said to them, go ahead and bring it in and tell her you did not understand how to do this one. Shock and horror when I say that. It's like, no, I can't. I'll have, to, I'll have to sign or I'll clip down. And I'm thinking, really? Really? You're going to get punished for saying you didn't understand? And to me, I'm thinking, well, either this teacher does not value learning very much or my kid misunderstands the rules in that class and they need to have more discussion about what they should do if they're stuck. So creating contingency plans would be a great idea. This would be a really good use of 20 minutes in your class of talking about what to do when you're stuck. So finally, the last thing that you can do to make your classroom more academically safe is to ask your students. One of the fastest ways to understand how your students feel in your class is to ask them. Now you could do this one-on-one, -on -one, but that would be incredibly time consuming. And if students already feel intimidated by you, they may not be very forthcoming. 
it's a lot more efficient to survey your students in writing. And in this survey, you can ask them questions like whether they feel comfortable asking questions in class or if they feel they can get help if they need it, if they feel comfortable asking questions in front of their peers, if they feel that there are other people in the class who can help them. All kinds of questions like that just to see what the vibe is in your classroom. Now, if you really want to take an accurate temperature of your class as a whole, you will make the surveys anonymous, and then that way kids can really tell the truth. But that'll just give you a big picture idea of what your classroom is like. Now, if you are looking for more individualized feedback to find out you know, which students are comfortable and which students are having trouble, then have them put their names on them. You just may not get answers that are as honest as they would be if the surveys were anonymous. Now, over on the website, uh, I actually have links to two forms that I've created. I call them the How's It Going form. Um, I've got an elementary version and a secondary version. And these are pre-made forms that you can use um, to, to ask these types of questions. These are sort of mid-year, mid-semester surveys that you can give students to ask them. Uh, lots of different questions just so that you can find out before the term is over how things are going so that you can make corrections as you go. So those are my suggestions for making your classroom more academically safe. To read the blog post for this episode, go to cultofpedagogy.com pod and click on episode 52. Thanks again to our sponsor, Kidum. Learn more about them at cultofpedagogy.com slash Kidum, K-I-D-D-O-M. And to get weekly updates on all my newest stuff, sign up for my mailing list at cultofpedagogy.com slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. This podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. To learn more, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.